Adversity comes with being human, right? And it's certainly a part of being in business. Just ask Damien Lee, who has been diagnosed not once but twice with life-threatening cancers. Instead of throwing in the towel, Damien, an instant noodle addict, launched Mr Lee's Noodles. And he's never enjoyed life more. Before we get stuck into episode 407 of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, and it is a very inspiring one, by the way, the marketing gold is made possible, exclusively possible, thanks to American Express. And I say exclusively because Amex has kindly taken all available advertising spots in this episode, and in fact, the past four episodes. Got to love that. So do me and yourself a favour by checking out their suite of business cards designed to meet the financial needs of small business owners just like you. Simply Google Amex Business to find out more. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Big show today. In fact, inspiring show today. Damien Lee of Mr Lee's Noodles shares his secret to overcoming adversity in life and in business. Melbourne SEO Services' Dave Jennings and I talk multiple traffic sources and I give away more prizes in the Small Business Big Marketing Monster Prize Draw. And boy, oh boy, am I getting some great letters from you guys. More on that later. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Quick update on the Deep Dive Mastermind that I launched a couple of weeks ago. The Melbourne Mastermind is pretty close to full. There's two or three seats left um, as we go to air with this episode. Um, there's been a lot of interest in me doing one up in Sydney. So I'm probably going to do a Deep Dive Mastermind up in Sydney. If you want to find out any of the details, head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash mastermind. But essentially, it's me and you and eight other motivated business owners around a boardroom table once a month. I share some marketing ideas. You ask me some marketing questions, uh, share some blockages that you have. I will help you break through them and as will the rest of the people around the table. That's the idea of a mastermind. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash mastermind if you are keen. You and I will be meeting some amazing business owners and marketers over the coming weeks, including... How's this for a list of guests upcoming? Ex-BBC cameraman Jules Watkins, who's created what I think is the best video marketing course for business owners going around. Had him on about five or six years ago, getting him back because he's updated the whole thing and it's ace. Sarah Holloway, who is making a mozza from Matcha, Matcha Tea, that is. She's got a great online store. She's got a cafe. She's smashing it. 
Is it a trend? Is it here to stay? We'll find out. And Chris Gray of Your Empire, that's the name of his business, who's figured out how to build a multi-million dollar business by working smart, not hard. In fact, (laughs) I spoke to him during the week to do a bit of a pre-interview. He was hopping on a camel in Jordan. Yeah. Okay, but right now let's meet Damien Lee who was introduced to me by longtime listener Adam Longhurst, who sent me this email. Adam said, hey, Timbo. Hey, Adam. A longtime, lifelong friend of mine, we met when we were 10, Damien Lee, would make a great guest. You see, in 2014, Damien was diagnosed with late stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and only given weeks to live. He's still alive. He then wanted to cleanse his life from eating crap, but is a lover of instant noodles, which are full of crap. <laughs> I put that in, not 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 uh, not Adam. So he created Mr. Lee's Noodles. The marketing of this business has been extraordinary, and Damien is an Aussie, but has lived in the UK for the past 25 years. Mr. Lee's are winning all sorts of awards, and I thought of your show immediately. Thanks, Adam. After having battled with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, check this out, he was then diagnosed late last year with throat cancer. This was another primary cancer, and it is extremely rare for anyone to make it through two primaries in one lifetime. I'm looking after their Australasian operations as we are now making these noodles in Melbourne. So please have a look at the videos and the website, and if you're interested, let's make a time to get together. Damn right I'm interested, Adam. Uh, compelling story, great branding. Checked out the videos, checked out the product uh, packaging. He's got this fantastic distribution model through vending machines. So I thought, you know what, let's get this guy in. Now, a little warning before we meet Damien. He's incredibly motivating as an individual. So be ready to be inspired. I love his attitude towards life and towards business. You know, he did this interview just three weeks after having the last tumour removed from his throat and he had a nasty 15-centimetre scar across his neck to prove it. And by the way, Adam is also in the studio during this interview and pipes in occasionally. Plus, you'll hear me reference one of Damien's employees who sat very quietly in the corner and occasionally got spoken at. I started off by asking Damien what's important to him. What's important to me? Uh, quality of life, family, and really trying to make a change to uh, certain things that are happening around us today. And that's what I've set off to do. Like what? For me, it's food right now, making what food the, better. What are the th- okay, so you want to change the way we, mm-hmm. we consume. Yes, yes. Particularly for busy people, food on the go. I said my story we're going to talk a little bit about today, I guess, is... Maybe. Uh, we might get maybe. to noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, I'm man. fascinated by your personal story, <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's for me, it's about just making what I consider to be a fairly nasty segment a little bit better and making people's lives easier on the go. It's a pretty tasty segment. No. <laughs> <laughs> must be all the bad stuff that makes it tasty. We'll come to that. So what is important is is family... And, and life. You've, you've, you've experienced two very tumultuous, very serious times. You've looked death in the eye twice mm-hmm. with your diagnosis of primary cancer 2014 mm-hmm. and then again 
How long ago? Uh, I was last diagnosed again with uh, cancer. That was summer of 2017. Yeah, right. I've just sort of finished all the treatment um, yeah. in the last few weeks. You look pretty well. Thanks. Got a bit of a cut on your neck, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Lost a bit of weight. Right, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has he lost a bit of weight? He's yeah. starting to eat again. Yeah, yeah. He started to? Eat again. Right, okay. 20 kilograms. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you need any help there, just give us a buzz because I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, good cook or? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, good yeah. eating, good tooth. <laughs> so you, because I guess the question around what's important to you is the fact that you could have, some would have given up. Some would have gone, you know what, this business thing's got hairs on it. I've got two young boys. I've got a lovely partner. I'm just going to... Go on a cruise. Mm-hmm. That's not me. That's not me. No, uh, for me it was a red rag to a bull. It was a challenge. And uh, with my two boys, I, I'm a single dad with two boys as well, so they live with me full time. So for me it was about I needed to get over the challenge. I needed to be there for the boys and get through that. So, yeah, so it was just about getting on with it really. Have you got something to prove? Nothing to prove. Um, I've always been a motivated guy. And uh, for me, it was just about, okay, here's a challenge. It's a challenge. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that were around me at the time going through uh, the similar thing, unfortunately, didn't make it. And I felt that they were doing some of the things wrong. And, uh, you know, who am I to judge? But I thought that they could be doing things better in their particular situation. And that was about eating. You know, Mm -hmm. I changed my whole lifestyle when I was given the diagnosis. The first time given the diagnosis, it was about... You know, look, I'm a believer today and you are what you eat big time. And that was about taking all the sugars, the saturated fats, the nasties out of your diet and getting on with the treatment they give you as well. I went raw at the time, a whole bunch of things to just give myself the best chance of getting through it. You know, it wasn't an easy time for sure. But, uh, you know, as I said, you've got no choice. Adam, you're a long time. You've known uh, Damien since grade... Uh, fifth tenu- class. Fifth class. <laughs> what are we dealing with here? <laughs> uh, Damien is quite a unique entity, Timbo. He's um, always been a go-getter. I've never seen him use the stop button. And um, when he was first diagnosed, he phoned me and said, I've got, um, you know, a couple of weeks to live. Uh, no, it's the late stage four. Um, I don't know what's happening. So I came home and I said to my wife, who has also known Damien for a very long time, and I said, I just have to go to the UK and, and find out what's going on. So I went over there and from the moment I got there to the moment I left, which was about two weeks, he was very upbeat. He spent the minimal amount of time in hospital that he could and he just wanted to get on with it. Was he always like that? Always, yeah, always like that. Sorry to talk about you in your presence, Damien. <laughs> like, I'm just it's hoping it's like good he's not stuff. Here. Yeah, but, <laughs> but here's the thing. There's a whole lot of business owners listening who are up against it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They may not have been diagnosed with a primary cancer, but they may have lost everything. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We all deal with different stuff, right? So I'm just trying to figure out what... What keeps you going? What 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 is it that kind of... Um, you're just optimistic in your DNA, are you? I think so. Look, uh, all my life I've been an entrepreneur. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm sort of a guy, I always say to people, I'm unemployable. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 great. It's <laughs> the Rebecca best club, likewise. man. It's a great club. <laughs> so, uh, and I think an entrepreneur has to, has to be that way. I think an entrepreneur is never settled. Uh, an entrepreneur is hungry. It's... An entrepreneur is out there spotting opportunity all the time. All the businesses I've had over the years, and pretty much a lot of those have been around the world, uh, have been businesses that I've never had prior experience in before. Okay. What, no experience in instant noodles? Uh, outside of eating them, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always a big instant noodle eater because they were convenient, they were easy to get, easy to make and tasted good. Yes. Um, didn't particularly care about all the nasties in them. 
But look, I've had businesses ranging from oil to security in Iraq and Afghanistan to uh, satellite communications, maritime satellite communications company, now the second largest in the world, uh, recruitment companies, bars, restaurants, you name it, it's been varied. And mostly I'd never had prior experience. And those businesses have gone on to be successful with or without me. Um, some have crashed. You've got to have a few crashes in your life. As an entrepreneur, you've got to also have your failures to, to get stronger and learn. But, yeah, it's just, uh, just, just in the DNA, I guess. I, I love getting up in the morning and looking for something new. So it would be fair to say that what you've been through in the last few years, the fact that you're getting up, going to work, creating new things, being that entrepreneur is a major contributor to you enjoying and living life? Yeah. Without it, yeah. you kind of... Yeah, definitely. Your boys, really? <laughs> sounds terrible, but yeah. I kind of get it. Yeah, look, my previous wives... Wives, I say wives. <laughs> have, uh, you love machine, eh? I like to think so. Yeah. That's one word for it. <laughs> right. How many previous wives are we talking about? Only two. Oh, only, only, two. two. <laughs> only two. And hello to them. <laughs> hello. I hope they're listening. <laughs> or not. Um, but, the, you know, they, they always hated uh, the fact that uh, we'd go on holiday. You know, some wives like to go on those beach holidays and spend two, three, four weeks away and uh, kick back. Um, I like to, you know, after a week I'm climbing the walls. You'd be a friggin' nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I'm a nightmare and they just, they, yeah, they say, uh, settle down, stop it, get off the phone, you know, you're on the yes. beach and stop it. But, uh, you know, that... You know how it is. That, yeah, well, sort of. I'm probably more like your wife than you. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, I've yeah, spoken yeah. to enough of you yeah, yeah. to kind of go, wow, yeah. you know, you've got something in you that uh, just won't let won't let down, won't let go. That's it. So I'm looking for wife number three that's probably a bit more accepting <laughs> and understands me. Maybe you should try husband number one. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, well, a, it's an open, it's a free world. It yeah. is. It's a free world. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he's got a lovely pink jacket on yeah, today. Like my and, pink uh, jacket, yeah. Don't want to stereotype. <laughs> okay, so it's all very well to love instant noodles. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like, I love them. I mean, we, I think many people love them. I think it's the salt, the mm-hmm. salt and those wonderful chemicals mm-hmm. they put in them. But how do you go about starting an instant noodle business without any experience of FMCG? Yeah, great question, great question. And, uh, again, it comes back to uh, my personal health story. Um, look, prior to starting or prior to actually being diagnosed with cancer or actually at the time, um, I'd moved from London and I'd moved down to where I'm currently located in the UK, in a little beachside town in southwest of England called Bournemouth, with a seven-mile sandy beach. That's what attracted me, oh, being right. Australian. Oh, rocks. Uh, yeah, no, it's actually sand down there. It's not Brighton Beach. It's got seven miles of sand. So it blew me away, you know, it coming really from does. Sydney originally. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm moving. <laughs> so I, I left London, where I had a previous business, and... Uh, Went down there and I had a long-time ambition to have an internet startup company. So I started my internet startup company down there called Design Gadgets at the time and had 20, 30 people working for me at the time. I'd put all my personal resources into it and it was kind of working with the um, crowdfunding platforms like Indiegogo, Kickstarter, if you're familiar with those. And that's another story anyway. But we were 10, 11 months into that business and that's when I got the good news about you've got a few weeks left and, you know, you need to make plans. Do you say that half facetiously, half seriously? Because in a way, no one wishes for Mm -hmm. a cancer sentence, a life sentence, right? Death sentence, whatever you call it. Absolutely. But did you sort of see it as good? I feel like it's like, Ripper, okay, bring that on. Yeah. Look, I don't see it in any shape or form as a negative. It's made me a better person, I believe. Um, I look at things differently. I look at life differently. Uh, I don't take life too seriously anymore. The things that I did get stressed out in the past don't stress me anymore. The people that I thought were important in my life 
I realized weren't as important as I thought now. So it's given me a whole new perspective Does on decision, life. I think you'd be a good decision maker generally. Adam, would that be fair to say about Damien? Uh, yeah, and, and once he's made the decision, he, he sticks with it. And Has it become a lot easier to make decisions? Now? Has it made it... Uh, uh, Yes and no. Right. <laughs> yes and no. I think those decisions, uh, you know, right. always, always are decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, you're in Bournemouth. You have got this design gadget business. Mm-hmm. You get your diagnosis. Just tell me about design gadgets. Uh, it was uh, a place for entrepreneurs to come and go. I've got an idea. Help me get it to market. No, no, no. It's slightly at all. different. It was uh, it was an idea where I looked at the crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and I thought, look, some of these great ideas from around the world either get funded or not. But I saw it as a great barometer when you can see a project getting funded and, and reaching its funding to think, okay, this one may see the light of day because you can see how excited the community gets around a certain funding project. And these projects then, once they're funded, they filter off into wherever they go and get on with the project and try and bring it to market and go on to various sales platforms and so forth. What I, I hope I'm not giving away a great idea here. Go, but, mate, uh, yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it was just my us. idea, remember this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the idea was to bring into... You're a, bigger than that, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> I'm about so noodles now people. anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was about creating a marketplace for these great projects that were going to be, well, going to be, going to reach fruition and bring them into one online shop. So you kind of see it first on design gadgets. But it was actually much more than that because we were bringing also academia into it. So I was getting the universities in the UK and, and, and they were going to be abroad like, like Cambridge universities, Oxford universities, academia from engineering, uh, technology that would also, once these uh, projects had got funded, we would bring the academia in to help these entrepreneurs, these young entrepreneurs, from a, from an academia point of view, an engineering right. point of view. So these guys may not necessarily have access to, to really bright brains. And and the facilities some of these universities for R&D could offer. So uh, I don't want to talk too much about yeah. this, but, you yeah. know, it was it, it, it was exciting. Yeah, 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 I want to get into noodles. It, but it was, <laughs> it was exciting. exciting. Yeah. Um, you get the diagnosis. What happens to design gadgets? Well, look, when I got the, when I got the news, uh, you know, I had to come in and sort of break it to the office and said, listen, guys, um, I may not be around for a little while. I've got to get on with something, and this is why. And uh, I remember that day perfectly where everybody's faces just dropped. And uh, they were like, wow. And I guess a lot of people were thinking, well, what happens now? And it really was the case. I mean, I immediately had to go into, into hospital, and I said to the guys, look, you know, I, I want you to stay around, but I can't you know, force you to stay here and I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to fund this situation. I don't know what the, how the future is going to look. So most of the guys filtered off and got on with their lives. Some went back to London and, you know, it, the company just sort of melted away. Yeah. And, uh, and rightly so. So uh, no one knew the outcome for me. So you spend the next how, how many months sort of getting... I spent almost the next 12 months sort of cracking getting... on with what I had to go through. Right. And uh, that was a heavy sort of chemo regime and so forth. But that's when at that moment when I got that news with my girlfriend at the time, Lenka... Um, at the time, at you the moved time, on. She's moved on. Boy, oh boy. She's moved she's on. For, uh, she's on the video. Mr. Lee's noodles. She so, is. She uh, is. I hope you've got some kind of talent release well, for Well, actually, actually, she still works in the company. <laughs> Nice. So, yeah, yeah, she's still in, in Mr. Lee's today. Smooth booth, isn't he? We're just not together. Hey? Okay. Okay. So, I, I, uh, 12 months of chemo and... Well, it was actually less than that, but I had recovery periods yes, and so course. forth, yeah. 
So at what point in that 12 months did the idea for Mr Lee's noodles come along? Well, look, there was a bit of a backstory during Design Gadgets. During Design Gadgets, I actually did a business trip to China. And in China, I met two local business brothers that actually owned China's fifth largest instant noodle factory. Hang on, you did a business trip to... Oh, prior to being diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, when I was in their factory having a tour of their factory, I asked one of the brothers... uh, Mind you, these guys make five billion instant noodles a year just in the Chinese market. Just a year, A lot of noodles. And I was, uh, you know, I was in one of their warehouses and it was stacked, you know, floor to ceiling with noodles, boxes of noodles. And I asked one of the brothers... Well, actually, the brothers actually asked me first. They said, Damien, we really want to start exporting our noodles to Europe and the UK. Can you help us since you're over there? And I said to the brothers, I said, listen, thanks very much, but I know nothing about retail. I know nothing about noodles outside of eating them. And by the way, I'm busy with my own startup company at the moment, but hey, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, at that point, I asked one of the brothers, just in a bit of a small talk way, I just said, hey, so which is your favourite flavour? And one of the brothers said to me, he said, well, give me a smile first. I thought, okay, yeah. And he said, we don't eat our own noodles. And I went, yeah. I said, wow, that's exactly what I said. I said, wow, why not? And he said, if you knew what we put in our noodles, you wouldn't too. And I said, you're (laughs) kidding me. And this is coming from the owner of the fifth largest instant noodle manufacturer out that way. And I said, but why? And he said, Do we know the brand? No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Right. I'm not going to say it. it I don't don't think they're out here because they're just in China at the time. Maybe today they're out here. I don't know. I haven't seen them since I've been out here. What what was in them? Well, this is it. I said, but why? And he said, Damien, he said, give you a little idea. He said, 10 odd years ago in China, there were over 300 instant noodle manufacturers. He said, today, there's less than 60 of us. And I said, but why? And he said, look, it's so competitive in the instant noodle market now everybody's competing with each other on margin and whatever, that we're all just dumbing down our product. There's nothing natural in them. We can't afford to put anything natural in them anymore. I was like, wow. So that was a big eye-opener for me because I've been eating instant noodles like you probably yeah. since I was a kid. Yeah. And I was like, man, so I've just been putting all that junk into me and, you know, more or less. He said, yeah, we're, we're all doing it. I was like, wow. So that was kind of the, the, the moment that I took away from me okay. when I went back to the UK and sort of just, you know, registered at the back of my mind. And it was when I finished my diagnosis or finished my treatment with cancer and Lenka and I and the boys, we went away to Greece. And it was the first time I could get on a plane. And I, I just said, yeah, Lenka, yeah. yeah, my partner at the time. And we sat on the beach. I wanted two weeks of just sort of recovery and thinking time. And I said to Lenka on the beach, I said, right, what am I going to do now? And uh, I'd done a bit of prior research to that on the instant noodle segment because I thought back to the brothers and thought, maybe I need something to do. I've lost design gadgets. Do I try and get that going again or do I do something new? Did Lincoln not suggest do nothing and enjoy life? No, she knows me. Yeah, yeah, she knows me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so sat there and thought, okay, let's look at the size of the instant noodle market. And I looked at the size of the instant noodle market and realised very quickly that it was 100 to 120 billion units per year are made and consumed globally around the world. And I thought, wow, this is a very, very big segment. But I realised very quickly 100 and 120 billion nasty noodles are being made and consumed around the world each year. None of them were clean. None of them were clean as far as I could see at that point in time. It's very rare to find a gap in the market these days, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like one that is truly... A real gap, not a made-up gap. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So for me, I saw opportunity. No doubt. Mm-hmm, because particularly 
about the way my lifestyle was now with the, the healthy eating, eating healthier, taking all the nasties out of my diet, I thought, man, when they were talking about that big race to the bottom, here's opportunity. I'm not going to do their noodle. I'm going to do my own noodle. Of course. But one that I believe in now with all the USPs around the product. I'm going to make the world's, as far as I'm concerned, healthiest instant noodle product. The lowest in salt, the lowest in sugars, the lowest in saturated fats, the lowest in calories, gluten-free, and so on and so on. Sounds, These are the USPs around our product. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, well, hey, you know, like, is, um, I love instant noodles. I've got yours in front of me. I haven't tried them. Um, I can only assume... You tell me if they're boring once you well, try them. Well, no doubt I will. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just looking at it from a marketing messaging point mm-hmm. of view, and I've seen all those messages on your website, mm-hmm. and that instant... Because instant noodle is like, it's confectionery. It's like it's mm-hmm. something that gives you a quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. And once you remove all those things, mm-hmm. I'm going, that's a slow fix. There's no quick well, fix there. This is going to – so, Greg, do you want to say something? Yeah, so, <laughs> so here's yeah. the thing, Timbo. Um, the What's contained in those pot noodles in front of you yes. is uh, freeze-dried ingredients, and those freeze, freeze-dried ingredients contain – all the nutrients. Which I understand freeze drying is better than dehydrating Absolutely. because yes. all the goodness goes out. Exactly. Okay, more expensive, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we uh, lock all the goodness in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you're consuming one of our noodles, yes. it's a light meal. It's not a snack. So and I it's, can't and it's definitely mm-hmm. not confectionery. I think it's a great marketing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've withdrew, I mean, I love the idea. Uh, great marketing challenge to get all this across. Yes. Because you've only got a page in a mag or maybe mm-hmm, 30 mm-hmm. seconds on TV. Mm-hmm. How do you communicate that yes. to a, a widely accepted nasty food segment? So we'll come to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you love instant noodles, Adam? Uh, yes, I do because... Now Dam- or...? Uh, no, Damien and I, as you know, grew up together. Yes. And uh, Damien's father was from Singapore. Yes. So I, I used to love going back to their yeah. house because in the kitchen there were noodles <laughs> and chilli and all the flavours that come out in the in the wide yeah. Asian culinary that we eat today. Um, we were delving into uh, 40 years ago. So and back home, were you a Maggi chicken or beef uh, instant noodle eater? <laughs> I think it defines well, us. Well, actually, I have to, have to say beef. <laughs> yeah, so I was chicken. Yeah. So back to you, Damien. Uh, <laughs> We got nothing in common, no, Adam. Nothing. Oh, so you're the chicken. I'm man, chicken, right? mate. I'm all okay, over well, it. I always knew you were chicken. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, okay. So you have. Uh, I've lost my thought. Where, where were you? Where were we? You're on the beach. You've said. Yeah, to so I was on the beach. Partner, you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do this. So I was going to do this. I said, look, links. Those guys that are in the, the whole industry, as far as I was concerned, was in that race to the bottom from what my bit of research I did and can see what was going on and and knowing what's on the supermarket shelf anyway for years and years, it's pretty much the same product in a different coloured box. And a race to a bottom in terms of pricing. Pricing and in terms of ingredients and pricing, the the whole lot. I said you could pick up 10 different offerings in the supermarket today, 10 different brands, open them up, it's all a very similar offering. There's nothing new. There's no uniqueness Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. So I thought, aha, opportunity. Let's go completely the opposite direction. Let's make the world's most costliest, healthiest, not just snack, but a light meal option on the go. I said, today the food trends are going more and more towards healthier eating. People are seeking out healthier options today more than ever. Five, ten years ago in the supermarket, if you go to the supermarket today, you'll actually see blokes picking up whatever it is, 
and turning the packet around and reading mm-hmm. what's on the back. They're looking at the ingredients. They're looking at the nutritional information. That never happened never five, happened. ten years ago. Mm. Today, even the blokes are looking for healthier eating options. Mums are looking for healthier eating options for the family and so on. So the trend's going towards healthier eating and people will pay I more get for it. that. Hey, before Damien explains how Mr Lee's went from a wacky idea to a brilliant product, here's a business tip. Thanks to our exclusive partner, American Express. Here's a money-making tip from American Express member and Four Pillars Gin founder, Stu Greger. I, for the life of me, don't understand why a business won't accept Amex because what you're potentially doing is knocking back customers who want to spend money on your product or your brand or your service or whatever it is. And I frankly don't understand it. If someone wants to give me their Amex and buy 10 bottles of gin, I'll tell you what, I'll take their Amex, thanks very much. You're potentially also denying yourself a big chunk of corporate business as well. You know, because a lot of sales guys, a lot of guys, I know me in my own business, I use Amex. And if I, get a, if I ring to make a booking at a restaurant or a bar or something, I say, do you accept Amex? and they say no, I go somewhere else. So they don't even know the business they're, they're missing out on. It beggars belief. And I often find myself having these rather awkward conversations at the <laughs> with with a shopkeeper or a, or a bar owner or a restaurateur saying, why wouldn't you take it? I'll pay you the extra. I'll pay one and a half, oh, the credit card service fee or whatever you want. Take my money. It's business 101, really. Make it easy for people to give you money. Speaking of money... The American Express Business Explorer credit card comes with 50,000 bonus points every year, a low interest rate, and two points on every dollar you spend. Not to mention a couple of tickets to the very swish Amex Lounge at Sydney International Airport. Search Amex Business to find out more. New American Express card members only. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Damien Lee of Mr Lee's Noodles, who's about to explain how he got his idea to market. My first step... I'd just be overwhelmed. Yeah. My first step was firstly having the conviction to think this is what I want to do. That was the first thing. And once you got that, does it feel like that's the big hurdle? Now that's it's, the big now hurdle. Now it's just like... Absolutely. I've with, got to do with, things. Without the conviction, you can't do anything well, I believe. You've got to believe in what you do. You've got to believe in your own gut instinct that you have made the right decision, okay, and choice in terms of the business opportunity. You've done your research, business plan and so forth. I, I do everything with the business plan as well, so I map, my, I map myself out. Oh, Boring, sorry. I know. Sorry, did I someone know. say business plan? <laughs> I was asleep. I know, but look, you need the business plan when you... You need the investors, right? I get it. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm not inherently someone that loves to write a business plan, but if you want to get the big bucks and the investors in on it, they this is what they want. So, uh, so I spent two months researching it and business planning it. The conviction. Just re- re- tell tell us what the conviction feels like when you reflect on it. When you go, geez, what am I doing? You go back, and is there a is there a line in your head or something that you Man, say to yourself? I know when I have conviction about something I do, I sleep well that night. It's just like a load off my shoulders. This is right. It feels right. I have that feeling. And it's just, as I said, it really really is like that for me. I go to bed that night and I don't wake up at two in the morning thinking, thinking, thinking. My brain's going. I I just sleep all through the night and wake up. Just making a note. uh, Get get, get a conviction. (laughs) Sleep better. Yeah, sleep better. (laughs) Yeah, it's that simple for me. Okay. So you've got your conviction. Mm -hmm. What do you then do? Come up with a name, clever name. Where'd that come from? Well, it was kind of my dad gave it to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my surname. Yeah, I got it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, name, what do yeah. you do? Go and build a brand. Sometimes I find uh, going and visually creating the brand mm-hmm. 
brings it to life. Is that what you did, That's Nick? That's exactly what I did, ah. Jim. So, uh, look, I'm, uh, how I pitched and marketed this, um, there's, a, there's a bit more to it. But, look, Go for it, it was uh, – let me just take one step back. So when I came up with my idea of how I'm going to do it and what I'm going to do and the ingredients and so on and why my product was going to be different to what's out there today – it wasn't good enough for me just to have a food product. My whole business strategy was not the supermarket first, okay? And people are like, what, what do you mean not the supermarket first? If you create a product or a food brand, all you're trying to do is get on the supermarket shelf, right? Wrong, okay? How was Mr. Lee's going to compete with 20 other household brands on the supermarket shelf costing two times, three times more than a household. Uh, you've got Sui Min and all these other brands sure. here today. These are significantly more expensive. How would we ever have a chance against the big Unilever budgets and so on? So my strategy was to find a different route to market. So we're not just a food business, we're a food tech business, and I'll come to that in a minute. So that's how I describe Mr. Lee's Noodles, a food tech business. It's about finding different routes through the soft underbelly. Okay, the soft underbelly for me was the travel industry, the hotel industry. Ah. Okay, the tech side of our business and uh, what that is is I, I call it noodle kiosks. A lot of people will call it vending. Mm -hmm. Okay, creating our own vending machines for our noodles, noodle kiosks, which we've done, and it's our own IP, and we can talk about that in a sec if you like. Uh, and and going about it very differently. So we're on planes, we're on trains, and so forth. We're now here in, in Australia. We've recently launched on Jetstar Australia. Right throughout Asia Pacific and Australia. We've, well done. We've got thank you. We've got two of our SKUs on board there, um, and we're over here right now. You know, speaking to a, a similar organisations right now to continue our push into Have the Australia region. Virgin Australian. Australian? Uh, yeah, yeah, I won't confirm or deny that. <laughs> I yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Early days. So, okay, I'm still on the beach. Mm -hmm. uh, you're still recovering from chemo. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, we are talking to Damien Lee and Adam Longhurst of Mr Lee's Noodles, uh, Adam being the General Manager of Australia. Head of Australia. Head of Australia. Head of Australia. Australia. Yes. Australia. Hard to get a word in with manager. this bloke, isn't it? It is. He talks a lot. Feel free to jump in. That's okay. Because I know I'm, I'm be missing things along the way. It's an incredible <laughs> story. Um, we, um, You're on the beach, instant noodles, clean, uh, food tech company. Uh, we're not going to go through supermarkets. We're going to go through, we're going to have a vending machine, mm -hmm. kiosks. Mm -hmm. Coming together, you get a brand done. Looks mm -hmm. good. You get excited by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't got a product yet. I haven't got a product yet. So <laughs> you got all these. Seriously, did you have this, all these other this, ideas lined up? This product was all up? in my head. Okay? Right. This was all in my head. My whole strat, my boring business plan. Okay. <laughs> but then I thought, actually, mm, sorry, Dan, yeah, it wasn't mm -hmm. a boring business plan. He emailed it to me. He said, "Have a look at this. See what you think." And I said, "Yeah, this is a good business plan." What was good about it? Uh, it was it short, sort of page. <laughs> it was. It was relatively short. Um, and it made a lot of sense. Sixty page short because it's what you call wow. a it's what you call a, a white space. Yes, and it's definitely a white space in the FMCG. Because uh, how long ago did you get the business plan? It must have been like twenty two years ago, right? Two thousand fifteen. Okay, uh, you're running an, a, a leather importing a leather business. importing business. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe looking for another op another exciting opportunity. Uh, yes, yes. My other business has been going twenty years and yeah. it's still going, and that's very successful. And it's uh, a case of um, working with a guy who I've known all my life. You believe in him. Uh, we've had a lot of fun together. We've had a lot of fights together. But in the end, we're like brothers and very close and uh, it just made sense. What he pitched to me made sense because I've been a Noodle fan all my life as well. Yeah, right. Especially for something on the go because like you, Tim, 
We're busy people. I'm not busy. Look, look at me. I'm just <laughs> sitting back here having a chin wag. It's the life. Okay. So are we now sort of getting close to maybe putting a product together? Yeah, well, uh, the next step for me was to... It's great me having the conviction, but it's about convincing other people, hey, there's an opportunity, a good idea too. So the next step was me was to create the visuals of the, the cup, the pot, the tub, you call it in Australia, the noodle kiosk, and making these as sexy as possible. Yeah. So I created the visuals, created the brand, created the packaging on these visuals, which has looked nothing like what they are today. It was completely different. Did you outsource this or did you get the pen and paper out, the Derwins? Say again? Did you outsource the branding, the design? Or did you have someone do it in-house? No, no, it's all done in-house. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do everything in-house at Mr Lee's. I like that. But back then you didn't have an in-house at Mr Lee's. No, no, no. Well, that actually, sorry, at that point when I was doing it from my kitchen table at that point, it was literally going out to 99 Designs, if you know that online. Well, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Design Crowd is the sponsor of the show, but I'll go with (laughs) it. It's okay, Timbo. I've used Design Crowd. Thank you very much. There you go, mate. There you go. I heard they're brilliant. Yeah. Why didn't you use them? Yeah. So, wow, you just gone out to crowdsourcing. Crowdsourced the designs, came back, selected one, and said, "Right, this is the one I'm going for." Obviously, I sort of said, "This is what I want. This is what you know. This is what I'd, I'd like to have," and, and and picked the the finished design. Then I went into to the market to start pitching, and I went into. I thought, "Let's start at the top and work our way down." You know, I've always believed in that. You not know, work your way up. You start at the top, work down. And uh, in the UK, there's a very well. They're, they're in fact a global organisation. Is a company called Compass Group, and they were my first pitch. And Compass Group is the world's largest contract catering company and the world's largest company probably most people have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Okay, they employ over 500,000 people globally. In fact, um, since we're in Australia, the recent uh, seaplane crash uh, that happened, yes. um, that was the CEO of Compass Group wow. on board that. So... Uh, uh, what are they, a catering company? Contract catering contract company. Contract catering so company. So probably... if I'm an airline... Compass, do my catering. Well, university. University, exactly. So you've probably eaten in the Compass Group establishment so many times you don't even know about. They they operate under many different brand names. In education, it's Chartwells, for example. They have lots of different brand names. But they look after, you know, defence bases, sporting facilities. How do you get a meeting with Compass Group? Through my local university. Because I had my local university sort of in Bournemouth, Bournemouth University, sponsor my idea and the whole idea. They, they knew me from Design Gadgets. No doubt. And uh, I said, look, I, you know, I want to get your contract catering company here at the university. And being naive and new to the market, I just thought, I said, I want to put one of my vending machines when they're ready into your university and pilot it and trial it up. And they said, look, Damien, we love the idea of your healthy noodle and vending machine, but we don't control our catering here. I said, why not? It's your university. <laughs> they said, no, that, that's Compass Group. And that's what I said. I said, who's Compass Group? And and they said, well, the world's largest contract catering company. You know that naivety? Mm-hmm. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. If you stu- it's hard to maintain. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, you're two years into Mr. Mm-hmm. Lee's noodles mm-hmm. and you kind of know stuff and mm-hmm. you can't be naive anymore. Is you that annoying? Well, I still like to be naive. Yeah, naive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I still like to I'm employ naive, naive people. <laughs> no, and, and actually, that's one of my. That's always been one of my USPs around my businesses. Naivety? Whenever I start, Yeah, absolutely. And I never, and, and this is interesting, but I never in the early days of my businesses never employ anyone from the industry whatever that yeah, industry is, yeah. because I don't want that that 
Damien, this is the way it's been done for 20 years, you know, yes. don't, and I don't want them throwing that at me because, I, you know, I want to have that blue sky thinking. Love it. I don't want to be yeah, boxed that's good. and thinking. So uh, that's how you maintain naivety. Absolutely. Don't employ it from within. Don't employ it from within. We oh, will like eventually that. get to that point where we have to, but we've already got that framework set up. So you get a meeting with the Compass Group naively through your contact mm-hmm. at the university. Yep. That's a big meeting because, as you say, you start at the top, Mm -hmm. not one you can really stuff up. Absolutely, absolutely. What what did you want from that meeting? I wanted them to agree that they would take Mr Lee's Noodles' uh, vending opportunity and put it in that university to start with. I haven't got a good product. I had visuals. <laughs> so you got a visual so got brand. Yeah. You got a name. Yeah, yeah. You've got an idea. You got a sixty-page business plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so I got the that meeting. Could be okay. I got the meeting, and uh, uh, never forget him, Ricky King. Um, he old became Ricky a great, King. Yeah, old Ricky King. He became a great sponsor Sounds of the like brand. 50s yeah. pop star. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Ricky said, sat me down, and he said. Okay, listen to me. And he said, and he ran the contract catering part for uh, Bournemouth University for Compass. And he said, man, I like it. And he said, I like your energy and I like the idea. And he said, you remind me of another guy that I gave a start. And uh, in the UK, that I don't, uh, they're not in Australia yet, but it's another brand called Jimmy's Ice Coffee. And he's a local brand uh, owner in near Bournemouth, in, where I'm from as well. And now it's gone, it's going global, this brand, and it's an iced coffee. And Jimmy got his start when he actually came out to Australia a few years back and he went surfing around Australia and he kept having iced coffees. You know, it's, uh, iced coffees everywhere. It's normal in Australia. It wasn't in the UK at the time. So he said, man, I love this iced coffee concept. I'm going to take it back to England. And he did, and he, it's called Jimmy's Iced Coffee. And that brand's just this really cool brand over there. And uh, he said... I gave Jimmy his, op- his start by getting him onto the university. He said, I'm going to have the, the pleasure to one day say, I found Jimmy's wow. iced coffee and I found Mr Lee's because he said, I think this is a great idea. And I said, great, so when do we start? And he said, well, it's not that easy, Damien. You've <laughs> now got to get through corporate and head office. Oh, and I said, oh, how do I do go. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he well, said, that's a long old, yeah, lava. that's a long-winded business process. Plans, business plans. Yeah, and I was like, oh, boy. And, and he said, but you've got product, right? And I said, nah, well, not, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he kind of cut me some slack and he, he uh, you know, I sort of cleaned, I, I told him exactly how it was and he said, oh, Damien, you're going to have to get some product together and whatever. How's your vending machine going? And I said, well, you know, that's kind of yeah, yeah. not so quite yeah, 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 yeah. So we bought time and actually to get the meeting at head office took me five months anyway just to get through that paperwork. And, uh, and process. But he said, there's something coming up in, in Compass Group. They have the Dragon's Den equivalent. You know, you got the Dragon's yes, Den out here? Shark yeah, Tank. Shark Tank, yeah. And he said, every year, Compass basically give young startup companies, they select four or five each year, and you come in and pitch to the senior management. He said, I'd like to put you up for that. And that's five months down the road. I thought, brilliant. That gave me the breathing time to get the product ready. And, uh, and we went on and, and pitched, and uh, we got four yeses. And Compass agreed to say, we love this concept, we're going to give you a shot. Is that that video I've seen on YouTube where people are, you're pitching to people? And yeah, 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 it's yeah, okay. on YouTube, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was the pitch. Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. You, are you, is your mouth dry? Do you need some water? Yeah, I've got some, yeah. That's here we go. Yeah, Charlie, I'm going to get you to do this, mate. So we just yeah, keep yeah, the yeah. interview going as it would. Here's my pass card. Uh, the kitchen is where you were sitting. There's there's a cup. Thanks, Yeah. Mate. There you go. I'm very quick. I mean, three weeks after a um, a pretty serious neck operation. Yeah. Uh, for those listening, if anyone is, I mean, you've got a cut of what, almost 15 centimetres around yeah, your yeah. your neck. 
from my yeah my, from my back of my ear down to you. All good. My, yeah, all good. Okay, oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Machine, okay. eh? I'll be lying on the floor by now, uh, Adam. <laughs> well, I won't tell you what my wife calls him. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Yes, you she can. calls him uh, the cockroach because you can't, can't kill, kill him. him. <laughs> the roach. And the roach. Bless her. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love lovely. it. So, wow, that's good. You know what? What's so many learnings there, Damien? But the reality is. You look at that meeting at Compass and go, well, it's five months even to get a you know place at the table, but mm-hmm. you've just gone for it. Naivety mm-hmm. again, beautiful. Naivety. You know? But that five months, that was put because that one meeting yeah. set the tone for my whole business because I aimed everything at that. We set our timelines and it just sped up the production. So it made everything we were doing, it gave us that... You got con- a date. A date. We got a date in the diary. I was like, yeah. right, it all seems go, you know, systems go on this. And uh, it was brilliant. And then, then the momentum just started snowballing along that five months. What? Yeah, what did, what did you do in those five months? Did you literally get as much... Thanks, a, Charlie. Yeah, obviously got products sorted out. We got products sorted out. Basically, we just made them up, handmade them in little tubs. <laughs> um, so everything was done by hand. The machine, I found machine partners. Uh, we started making the machine. And uh, we. That, you'll see in that video the first machine. That was our first machine. Yeah, yeah. We kind of put it up there. It didn't work. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it didn't work. We had to. We literally had to blue tack things on for that pitch. And there, they, the Compass Group people thought, "Wow, this is wonderful," but they had no idea what was going on yeah. behind the scenes. And uh, and all the cups were done by hand. It was really. It was a. It was a knitting job. What did they see? You got four four yeses, four yeses out of four. Yeah, four out of four. What do you think they saw? I think they saw the opportunity. They 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 understood the opportunity, and we were pitching predominantly for Compass's uh, university uh, portfolio. Uh, we wanted their defence portfolio as well, and they saw the fact that you know, man, a lot of people are eating noodles nowadays, and they saw the fact that there's no healthier options out there and high quality options. And they were trying, I think they were trying them. They were testing them and they loved them and they thought that was great. We also had, you know, one of them was the head of nutrition for Compass Group and they were quite keen on on our nutritional qualities and values and so forth. They loved the fact that they were gluten free and so on and so on. So we hit all the right buttons. Um, We also had one of the guys that were responsible for vending in there. Um, he was a bit more dubious, you know, I guess he'd been 20 years in vending, so he's seen it all. Um, so he didn't get my vision of the way vending should be. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I see I see vending as a dinosaur industry. It's I do horrible, too. It's horrible, man. And that's what I saw. And being naive, I didn't understand vending. Yeah. So I created my own vending machine the way I thought they should be, the way technology is today. Vending to me is a very dull experience. You go up to a vending machine, you drop your $2 in or whatever it is, out pops the product and off you go. There's no engagement. There's no experience at that vending machine. But for me... Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk is very different to vending as it is today. You know, the big 42-inch touchscreens, it engages with you. It knows if you're a male or a female. It knows your age group within a five-odd-year, you know, uh, spread. Is this the Mr. Lee's vending Mr. machine? Yes. What's the value of it knowing whether I'm male or female or my age? Uh-huh. This eh? is where it pushes smart content to you, okay? So if it knows who you are... I don't know if I'm looking if it... for smart content, I just want some noodles. You do, but this is the beautiful part. A 45-second vend time. Now, some people Ah, would say, oh, that takes a long time to vend a noodle. It's golden time. Yeah, right. We've got them by that screen for 45 seconds at least. They're not going anywhere unless they want to walk off from that noodle they just bought. So I have the opportunity to engage with the consumer, to inform the consumer, educate the consumer. Tell me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, have you gone vending machines are dinosaurs, we could make the experience a whole lot better, Mm -hmm. or have you gone... You know what? There's a 45 minute, 45 second wait time here. Mm-hmm. We need to fill it. 
which was the what's the truth? No, the the, the truth is. It was an opportunity. Oh, the rule yeah, it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to, as I said, engage, upsell the consumer, sell third-party advertising and so on. It's revenue streams. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. More and more revenue streams around the business model. So what's going to happen for 45 seconds while I'm waiting for my uh, dragon fire vegetable? We can, we, can, we can upsell you other products there's because there's other products coming into these noodle kiosks this is I said my supermarket okay there'll be we've got a I'll talk, can't really talk about because we've got a lot of MPD going on at the moment not MPD? just noodles new product development oh NPD yeah the, 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 the full name of Mr Lee's is Mr Lee's Pure Foods Company Mr Lee's Noodles is just one of our segments okay we've got other great products coming okay I'll, no uh, doubt watch this space no doubt well okay. you haven't got enough on right you right, <laughs> not much to do. <laughs> so the whole, so the whole vending kiosk is our supermarket shelf. So you will be able to buy numerous products, meal deals, and all sorts of things going on in there. But we don't have competition around. We we lock real estate for three to five years with a, uh, a Mr. Lee's noodle contract. Three to five years is a long time. Valuation for a company when you have hundreds, if not thousands, of these machines around the country and universities, defence force bases, hospitals, corporations becomes a very, very valuable proposition. Okay, those screens become a whole interactive engagement. Okay, the big. So you're upselling me. You're running third-party ads. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Forty-five seconds. We're done, aren't we? You're not running a. That's it. Forty-five seconds. You're done. Yeah. We've also we're we're making cool, funky videos. You can come and get entertainment. It's also an information booth. You can play podcasts. We can play. Ah, Mm. Tim. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we're only limited by your imagination on what we can do on that screen. Okay. And what we do around it, it talks to you, all sorts of things. We've got an app going on, so you'll find a Mr. Are these live now in the UK? In the UK, yeah. We've just had, we've finished our pilots, which have been with Compass Group, which have been a, regarded a complete success. We're now starting our rollout plan from April. In unis and Defence Force and, and uh, supermarkets. And oh, you are in supermarkets Yeah, we will now. be launching in supermarkets in April. Okay. Okay, but in their grab and go section, we've got a big pilot with one of the UK's largest uh, supermarket chains. And they'll be in the grab and go section uh, of uh, Miss Lee's noodle kiosk. Where does that sit within the business decision? Because uh, uh, primarily, it's a it's a vending idea, mm-hmm. but you need supermarkets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. clearly they've got absolutely the biggest just distribution. Not supermarket first, that's all. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do supermarkets have a problem with the vending machines? Not I at imagine all. not. They they want them. That's what yeah, we're starting. It's branding. So yeah. then that drives people. Have you got Mr. Lee's noodles in here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So gotcha. we can, they can come up to the front of the store in the grab-and-go section, grab a quick snack, and then if they want to, they can go down the aisle and the idea is they'll be able to seek one out down the aisle as well. You deserve a, a good run, Damien, uh, with Mr. Lee's, given what you've been through personally. Has there been any low spots, though, in getting Mr. Lee's to market where you've gone, oh, really? You know... Too hard. Lost my conviction. Uh, great question. And I often say to the team... And, uh, and people associated with Mr Lee's, I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say I have never had a business, been involved in a business, that every single door we knock opens. Uh, it's unbelievable. We've had the most incredible ride and journey so far that I'm blown away myself. I often wake up in the morning or at night and pinch myself and say, is this really happening? Is this really going the way I planned it to go all those, well, all those year, two years ago, two and a half years ago? It's just going better than I thought. And I'm just kind of waiting for the, the big no. Have you seen this, Adam? Are you like, everything's, you know, uh, absolutely. Come, I mean, the we, minus touch. <clears throat> we had a meeting with uh, one of the large supermarket chains in Australia last week and uh, they were overwhelmed by the product uh, because when you open the product and you pour the water in, there's, there's real vegetables inside. There's real meat. Our meat flavour on Hong Kong Street. Right Go for it. 
is um, the Hong Kong street beef flavour. Timbo has, you know, Queensland Aussie beef in it. So, yeah, it's, it's okay. the real stuff. Well, it looks, I, I don't know, I'm looking at it now. I have to, I have to try it. You, you have, know, to try have to try it. You have to try it to know. Um, okay. So do you think then, Damien and Adam, that the, this amazing run that you've had is because you are, your conviction is so strong, stronger than anything else you've ever worked on? Um, with respect, do you think people are showing empathy? Or although I wouldn't have thought so. When you At that level, people don't have time for empathy. They don't have time I, for empathy. Yeah. Not at the highest level. Sad, levels, isn't so it? But, yeah, but. that's true. But they don't have time for empathy. I mean, you know, business is business at the end of the day. Do you play, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I worked at a, a charity for a couple of years, I left advertising and had to cleanse my soul, and <laughs> going and speaking to corporates, we would start off with the story of a young person who'd been through that charity and had developed... I mean, we mm-hmm. played that card, mm-hmm. right? Are you? Do you play the cancer card? I don't play the cancer card. It's a, it's it's a real story. It's it's really why the brand exists today. It's my personal story. Yes. But I don't use that as a as a tool to you know please you know sure. humble no, supermarket take this in. It really is a, a, my conviction because of what I've gone through. And I said I, I there's many people that are going through similar things that I've gone through, whether it's cancer or whether it's something else. It's about what I want to do is also help inspire people to get on with their dreams. You know, it's never too late no matter what you're told or what, what the news is right now. Get off your ass and, and, and follow your dreams. So I want to also inspire people beyond just trying a Mr Lee's noodles. It's about my own personal journey can also be yours too, you know. It's not about me. It's about all the people that have joined this brand and there's a lot of people, there's 20-odd people now in the brand today. Uh, there's a lot of other people that have invested into this company as well. I mean, we've got some, you know, we've got some, uh, we're a private equity backed now. Um, so it's not just a bunch of guys. Wrap some numbers around Mr. Lee's two, two years in. Six SKUs, mm-hmm. a great contract with the Compass Group and unis and, and wherever else, kiosks. You're in supermarkets now. You're on Jetstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, turnover, what can you tell us? Can you just I don't put some even, I, Yeah, I don't, because I think that'll give the sort of the wrong perspective of where the business is right yeah, okay. now um, with turnover because when people talk turnover right now and, you know, people talking tens of millions, we're not in those tens of millions yet. We're certainly in that direction very yep. quick because we only really launched just last summer. Okay, and you're, so only, you're only in the UK. We're well, only, you're in, on well, we're in the UK. We're here in Australia. We're, we've launched into Denmark, Scandinavia now, and hotel chains as well. Uh, All through Compass? No, 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 no. No, no different organisations. Right. So we're in... Uh, Compass is just in the UK at the moment. So we're with train networks in the UK. We're on uh, currently on two big national train networks in, a, in the UK. We're about to roll out into three, four more. Uh, we're about to launch in a, a big European airline uh, in April. Uh, we've got, yeah, the supermarket. Uh, so, <laughs> it's incredible, really. I mean, it there's some big contracts there. Big contracts, yeah. Um, you don't have a big advertising. I'm sure you're not running TV commercials. Not at all. Or big all. double-page spreads in magazines. Not at all. You are walking to these meetings, I'm guessing, with very little brand awareness. It's mm-hmm. not as if, the, oh, the guy from Mr Lee's Noodles coming. <laughs> no, like... Mm-hmm. Again, with respect, probably no, they don't know Mr Lee's noodles until you get there, right? It, so, how, how? Yeah, yeah. Look, the the, the way. Look, What's when, my question <laughs> there? <laughs> we had a hundred pound marketing budget, you know, more or less. <laughs> that's what we, as a, as a young startup company, that's it. You know, you got a hundred pounds. Okay, yeah. what do we do with it? Yeah. You know, how do we how do we make that stretch? So for me, it was about building profile. 
Okay, so and not going into the supermarket first was part of my strategy. When you go into the supermarket first, it's a very different marketing approach because you you've got to reach the the consumer. So going into the B2B market first, okay, when I'm talking the airlines, getting into those guys and convincing them this is a product that they should have on their trains or airlines and so forth was a different sort of strategy. It was actually a cheaper strategy than going to try and reach, you know, 20 million consumers, um, which is much more sort of scattergun approach. So it was about building profile for the brand first. And what I mean by building profile, that's winning awards and so forth, having the industry sponsors that say, ah, oh, you know, the, these guys are doing something different. Wow, they've, we're, they're the winner of, you know, the best mm-hmm. new startup. Uh, we, we've won, I can't even remember how many awards at the moment in the UK. I mean, we are in the startup. So it's, it's an active strategy for you. An to, active strategy. enter awards. Enter awards. Oh, it's a great strategy. I don't yeah. think enough do it. Yeah, exactly. Look, we just won, uh, just before flying out here two weeks ago, we were uh, in, in the UK, one of the biggest um, awards is called the Health and Vitality Honours. And Health and Vitality Honours is a, an annual award system for food companies that are actually trying to do better, to whether it be reducing sugar in their product or making healthier food and so forth. And we were the finalists two years in a row now, and, and in January we were finalists for a product of the year, for, for you know, best new product. Mm. And the other guy that we were up against was Coca-Cola. The and you think, Co- yeah, you think, Coca- Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, how is Coca-Cola healthy and da-da-da-da-da? Yeah, right. You know, right. why, why are they even there? But they were there for Coke Zero. So basically well, Coke Zero... Which is infinitely healthier. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. But no, the point is... Coke Zero. <laughs> no, no, but the point is that it's a company trying to do better. You know, yeah, and, uh, they had nasty sugary products and they're, they're making that effort, corporate yeah. responsibility in a sense. We were up against Unilever brands, Jamie a, Oliver. Do you, uh, uh, submitting awards, I mean, I'm involved in the Telstra Business Awards and submitting an award is big. I mean, it's... Uh, take some takes a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of information needs to be gathered. Do you have someone... In a role that they yeah we have do. we have two people in our marketing Marcom's team and uh, Kasher and Tom and they do great jobs so they're always looking at the awards we're being wow. invited to awards so you know yeah we've got to do the applications the stories and so forth so it is very time consuming yep. and we're up against some great brands some great brands but so that- you win those awards mm-hmm. you've got I've seen you've got them on your website mm-hmm. little logos and mm-hmm. things um, off the back of those awards often comes marketing opportunities mm-hmm. interviews mm-hmm. that's what happens absolutely isn't it? that's the kind of play and then the where, ripple effect the ripple effect yeah absolutely and that's Clever. when and that's when the the brand the brands or the buying managers take notice of you because yes. they think these guys are getting noticed by the industry not on the packaging not on the packaging i mean there's was not enough space for all our uh, awards True. yeah yeah okay <laughs> so uh, yeah so th- so that's that's got us noticed that's got us a lot of press it's gets us a lot of articles we get bloggers so so it's really getting that viralness around our brand i don't know whether viralness is a word that's probably isn't that probably. <laughs> Could have gone either there, Chris. In the UK. You, just yeah, in the UK. You do. I noticed ambassadors, you've got a number of ambassadors yes. on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like big names. They all seem to be UK beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. Beach volleyball. They're, they're, they're at the Commonwealth Games, these girls. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I'll be there. Um, and, yeah, you've got some interesting ambassadors. Again, mm-hmm. is that a strategy where... Absolutely. I'm guessing you're not paying them a whole lot of dough. They're getting noodles. They're, but they're behind the brand. 
Right. They're behind the brand. And that's, how, how do you say to a Commonwealth Games beach volleyball team who are very skilled, who have probably got some pretty big sponsors, throwing mm-hmm. them a bit of dough, mm-hmm. can we use your brand, your mm-hmm. personal brand? Use their bums. And, and yeah. Your bums. Yeah. And we'll give you some noodles. Yeah. How does that conversation work? They're going to go, you're kidding, mate. <laughs> <laughs> They're worth like 20 cents. <laughs> they love noodles. People yeah, love they love noodles. Stuff, they? Yeah, they, they love noodles. They and, and there really is, and, and I'm sure it's the same in Australia and we're starting to find out, but it, really in the UK and Europe, there's this big sort of startup spirit that people are getting behind the underdog, the small startup brands. People are not trusting the big Unilevers and their food products anymore. They want to see the small guy do well. So they get excited behind the story and the journeys of these startups. And we're no different. And people are really, we've been amazed how many people are getting behind the Mr Lee story and, and what we're trying to do. There is a great saying, people these days buy experiences, not brands. That's it. And mm-hmm. I think the smaller guys are offering better experiences, mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. You know, your story is a, a very genuine, real story. For a big brand to do that, they can't. Like Coke can't, Coke can't go, oh, you know, Johnny Smith in our sales team, you know, has got a story, can we tell you? They, you know, it's not going to work. But when the founder has a story and... That's, got- one of, that's one of the unique things about the Mr Lee's brand, which is what attracted me into it, is that there's a genuine why in marketing terms, a genuine yes. why about the company. And uh, there's a lot of... Um, heartfelt drive yeah. behind Damien and everybody that Damien's uh, employed um, and working with inside the Mr Lee's brand. No doubt. Yeah. and that. How and does that get transferred? Because no business owner's around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, often the business owner well, clearly has the idea, has the culture in mind, has the vision, the, the conviction, all those things. How do you – you're lucky you've got your best mate here who – probably gets it like that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But how do you get others to buy into that? Mm-hmm. It's like Charlie. Charlie's sitting there in the background, head of sales in Australia. No, UK. UK. Mm-hmm. He get a free trip out here. Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. That's, that's it. We should have for the free trip. You I sat, flown me out I sat in his interview, <laughs> to, to Charlie's first interview, and I said, if you join this brand, we're going to Australia for a trip. And he said, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he came from one of our big competitors uh, right. in the UK. We had, there's a big brand called Itsu. And uh, Itsu was founded by... Julian Metcalf. Julian Metcalf, who founded Pret-a-Manger. Yeah, well, you're just dropping names. And right, I have no yeah. idea who they they're, are. They're big out, big, uh, monsters yeah. out there. So Mick Jagger said joined the... never drop a name. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> so um, marketing, you're entering awards. You are using the ripple effect of those awards. You've got ambassadors. You've got some cool packaging. You've got now getting distribution via kiosks and mm-hmm. airlines. So people are starting to see mm-hmm. it. Is there any other marketing that you're doing or is that kind of... Um, Encapsulated. That, that, that's yeah. That, look, we are about to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we've got private equity in our business now, yeah. so we're going to have the luxury of some marketing budget for for once in our lives. So now we are looking at a, at a proper marketing strategy because we have global ambition as a brand, and we can't just rely on that small, you know, people getting behind the brand. We have to now get step up. And that's what we're doing now. Does that necessarily mean above-the-line advertising? doesn't or, necessarily, no. Because no, no. you could fall into the trap, and you probably have seen this mm-hmm. in your entrepreneurial life, where money comes in, particularly into these startups, mm-hmm. and they just blow it all Absolutely. on 30-second TV commercials, yeah. and then six months go, hmm, that didn't work, mm-hmm. we've got no mm-hmm. dough, mm-hmm. we're out of business. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be pretty smart about We're going to be very smart about it. Money. I always say to my team, uh, particularly Marcom's guys, <laughs> I said, you run our marketing, and you always will, 
remembering the days we had 100 pounds and keep nice. thinking that way. Always think we've got 100 pounds in the kitty. Every penny we spend, spend it like we have got 100 pounds. Yeah, I like that. And, and because it is, as you said, very easy to suddenly say, let's do a TV campaign, let's do a Sky campaign, let's do this and whatever. You, if, you, if, if I gave my marketing team, um, said, you've got a million pound budget now, they'll spend a million pounds mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll spend it very easily. So it's about, no, we don't have a million. They ask often, you know, how much is our budget now, now that we've got private equity in the business? hundred so, pounds. I don't know. <laughs> hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you need? Yeah. So, so throw it back that way. So they, they think about it differently. So just have a, a different sort of approach. Damien, great story. What do you say to business owners listening who are enduring hardship right now? Whatever that is, that's their thing. What do you say to them? You know, it comes back to that conviction again. If they truly believe what they're doing is right and they've validated it in some ways that there is truly something good in what they're doing is to never give up, okay? Believe in that journey inspire people to also believe in it with you. So your dream, very importantly of what I always have believed in life, is to make your dream become other people's dreams too. And when other people start dreaming your dream, the momentum starts to move forward. Whether that be people that join your team, buyers, other third-party people that are believing your dream, that's when the magic starts to happen. Inspire other people to join your dream. Beautifully said. Uh, for anyone listening who wants to contact you, it's, it's mrleesnoodles.com. Correct. Uh, but what if they want to kind of, what if there is the head of Virgin listening or how can you be contacted? Just go to the website? Go to our website, yeah. Our, our contact details for Australia right. and the UK there. And, I, and and just on this Virgin note, I'd just like to say one of... <laughs> <laughs> it's a machine. <laughs> yeah, go on. <clears throat> one, of, one of the people that have joined our journey... Uh, at Mr. Lee's uh, as an advisor and investor. Is a is virgin? Actually ex- I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> he was a virgin, <laughs> and I'll say it and I'll, I'll, I'll qualify that. He actually used to be a very, very senior manager in Virgin. Oh, there you go. And uh, Keith, I'll say his name is Keith, and he's back here in Australia now, and he was at Virgin head office, and he ran a lot of the, the global Virgin brands for Virgin for many, many years. And uh, he just recently left Virgin to sort of go out on his own entrepreneurial journey, finding startups like us, and he found us, and he's now part of our dream. How good's that? Yeah, that's great to have someone hey? so senior in Virgin now also believe in what we're doing. Sleeping with the, the enemy. Team. Well, not really the enemy, sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got an insider. Got an insider. Good on you. Inspirational story, Damien. Thanks for sharing it. And Adam, thanks for putting you two. Oh, you've got your hand up. I've got my hand hand up. (laughs) Did you want to add something? One more very important point. Oh, we missed Timbo. Um, We're currently making two of our flavours in uh, Melbourne. Yes. And we do that because of the the high quality raw materials that we can get out of Australia. And by the end of June, all six flavours will be available in in Australia, made in Melbourne. In supermarkets? Uh, From July. We're very hopeful Good that that's you. exactly what's going to happen. Great story, fellas. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Well, there you go, team. Damien Lee of Mr. Lee's Noodles. You inspired? <laughs> I hope so. You know, no matter what adversity you are going through, hopefully that's given you a few insights and tips as how to uh, break through adversity. And by the way, the noodles, Mr. Lee's noodles, are fantastic. Since that interview, um, I've been eating a few of them and uh, very, very tasty. I can highly recommend the Hong Kong street beef. Now, coming up 
In this week's Ignite Your Site segment, you'll discover the power of multiple traffic sources to your website. But first, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Damien Lee. Thanks to American Express. Attention grabber number one. Adversity is what you make it. It's a massive takeaway for me. I think it's how we deal with adversity that's going to determine whether we succeed or whether we give up. In fact, I did an episode way, way, way back, episode 123 with Andrew Griffiths, where we talk about dealing with setbacks in business, and I'll put a link in that to the show notes. Attention grabber number two, build your profile through awards. When your marketing budget is limited, awards are a great way of building profile, particularly if you win them. Couple of awards to enter. One is the Telstra Business Awards. Head over to telstrabusinessawards.com. Entries close for Australian businesses later in March and I highly recommend you going through the process of either nominating yourself and entering or nominating someone else. That would be a very kind thing to do. And the Australian Podcast Awards, if you're a podcaster, the Australian Podcast Awards are coming up uh, at the end of May. I'm emceeing them, actually. They're in Melbourne. You can enter them at australianpodcastawards.com. Or you can vote for your favourite. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Might talk about that next week. Attention grabber number three, naivety. I love Damien's view on naivety. Uh, look outside your industry for people who don't know much about what you do, who are naive around what you do, and you might just get an amazing result. Certainly, Damien has experienced that. That's what grabbed my attention. I'd love to know what grabbed yours. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 407 and let me know. Now, coming up, I've got some more prizes to give away in the Monster Prize draw, but first, where's that box of matches? With so many underperforming business websites out there, this segment is laser-focused on ensuring yours isn't one of them. To get your website found and your phone ringing, we're joined by Dave Jennings of MelbourneSEOServices.com. DJ, what is on that beautiful business mind of yours? (laughs) I hear this all too often, people complaining that they're not getting enough traffic or visitors to their website, and then those visitors aren't converting into paying clients. And then when I dig a little bit deeper, I look under the hood to see what they're doing... You go, no wonder! (laughs) That's right! You have only one traffic method. Like, to win online these days, it's not enough to rely on one traffic source. You've gotcha. got to have multiple, whether that's SEO, Facebook, AdWords, podcast, podcast yes. on iTunes. There yes. you go. The real key is you've got to be firing on all cinemas, uh, cylinders. And I, <laughs> I, I know that sounds funny coming from the SEO guy, but for me, I'm more of a marketer. It's just about how can you get great quality leads at a great price from multiple different sources. Cinemas could be another traffic source. You could run ads there. So, you know. Do people still go to cinemas? I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so great tip. Great yes. tip. Um, kind of puts a bit of pressure on the business owner, but there are easy ways to do it. And your book, Authority Content, uh, explains how to get multiple traffic sources to your website. Exactly. 
exactly right. Importantly, too, and we'd cover this in another Ignite Your Sight segment, which is once you get that traffic, you've got to convert it, right? Exactly so, right. But discussion for another time. How do listeners get a copy, a free copy of your book? They head over to authoritycontent.com forward slash Timbo. Nice. And they can claim their copy there. Good on you, buddy. That is just one more way to... Ignite your sight. Come on down, it's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. I love that intro. Come on down, all right. It is time to give away some prizes. Now, I've got to say, the Monster Prize Draw segment, this segment is not just about giving prizes, although that's what I absolutely love doing. But the emails I'm getting from you guys are just brilliant. They give just fantastic insight into what you're learning from this show, what you're implementing, and what you're getting as a result. So I really appreciate that. Two more prizes to give away thanks to these great emails. The first one is from Nick Hansen, who says this. Hey, Timbo, big fan of the show. Thanks, Nick. I'm a migration agent in the midst of escaping the corporate travel world. I'm digging my tunnel out as we speak. Good on you. Corporate, what a cubicle SKP. At the moment, my business is a side hustle, but I'm hoping to make it full time in the next 12 to 18 months. I've been in business for just over two years and have been listening to your show for most of that time. Here are some things I've picked up and implemented along the way, and it's a really, really good list. All right, let's work our way through it. Uh, focus on the client. My clients love me. This is because I put them first by answering their calls straight away or responding to their emails within minutes. Wow, that's a pressure to put on yourself. But if it's working for you, Nick, keep doing it. Uh, My niche. After a year in business, I realized my niche and decided to focus my marketing on partner and family visas. Why? Because the conversion from inquiry is a lot higher than other visa categories. That's genius. I mean, I love a really narrow niche that's a mile deep. You know, uh, doing visas is one thing. Focusing on partners and families is even a better niche. Well done on that. More things Nick's doing. My website, I created my own website using Squarespace, using a bunch of tips I picked up from you. Since then, my website conversion has increased. Uh, I created a blog and update it once a month or thereabouts with useful tips Some of my tips have had thousands of hits, which has helped increase my profile within the industry. I might even turn them into e-books. Brilliant. Just blog. You know, start. If you're not blogging, start. Nick goes on. He's got some more tips. Personality. Whilst my business is primarily virtual over the phone and email, I find it helpful to have my photo prominently positioned on my website and in my email signature. I found that this has helped to build trust. I also use my personality in my consultations to help build rapport. Love it. Reviews. I sent it. I'm going fast here because he's just got so many great tips that he's implemented. Reviews. I sent an email out recently requesting reviews on Google and Facebook and have only received five-star reviews. Good on him. Going to cough. Hang on. <laughs> getting carried away here. Um, SEO and Google AdWords. I attempted to do this myself but quickly realised um, it's not my strong point, so I took your advice and outsourced it to the experts. Facebook marketing, I'm doing that. Partnerships, I like this one. I've made partnerships with a marriage celebrant, a recruitment company and a couple of larger migration firms who I subcontract for. I also network a lot with other migration agents to help answer some of their trickier questions that come up in our industry. And finally, CRM. 
I recently signed up to Infusionsoft after listening to your episode on CRMs. I'm hoping this helps to increase my conversion. Wow, Nick, uh, you have done some great stuff, mate. You're not only listening, you are implementing and taking action. For that, I want to give you an Uncle Jack's watch, valued at $99. Thanks to Robbie Ball, past guest Robbie Ball, over at UncleJackWatches.com. And let's give away one more prize. This is going to go to Elise. Hello, Elise. She says, Timbo, what really stands out for me is providing a knowledge centre at no charge. Love this. I'm constantly pitching for new business. What's Elise do? She's got a media agency, a media buying agency. I'm constantly pitching for new businesses and in this process I end up presenting my ideas and thoughts. It's a struggle to juggle the giving away my knowledge and providing information to win the business. I get that. I know. I hear it all the time. Naturally, I love to help, so I tend to give more than I should. Recently, I have been advised not to give away my work without clients paying, so I have really tried to tighten up. Well, not sure who gave you that advice. But in an industry that is so full of talk, if clients can't see what I do, how do they know what they are going to get, especially with a case of media planning and buying when the work tends to be more analytical? What struck a chord with me was that my business has grown based on the service that I provide them, that I've provided them. I started this business to provide a different service level than the big media agencies. And what I really love is making a difference to the businesses and brands that have not that don't have huge budgets and just need a helping hand decoding what is really more most important to them uh keep giving away the information would be my view at least don't do all the work for them until they pay you but at least show how knowledgeable you are in this area and you're a small business owner you're flexible and you can do what the big guys can't at least goes on to say so i've gone back to providing information without putting a price tag on everything and i actually feel so much better about doing it this way i'm sure somewhere along the way someone will take advantage of this yeah maybe but hopefully the wins will be bigger and more often than people taking advantage thanks for the tip elise elise well done to you you are the winner of a sophie spritz picnic bag uh, which includes the bag, a T-shirt and a mixed dozen drinks. Thanks to Tom McLean, past guest of sophiespritz.com. That's valued at 100 bucks. And by the way, I should say the business of which Nick represents uh, is Hanson Migration. like to promote small businesses. There you go. That's how you do it. If you want to share what you've learned from this show and what it's done for your business, send me an email, tim at timreid.com.au, and you will be a winner. Hey, you and I cover some serious marketing ground in this show. Don't you agree? Have you listened to the chat I had with Nick and Lucas, the founders of Orange Sky Laundry? They are last year's Young Australians of the Year, thanks to their brilliant initiative, which involves washing homeless people's clothes. And since I've interviewed them, they've also launched a trailer that includes a mobile shower so that homeless people can have a wash as well. Uh, That's a great interview. And on a completely, completely different topic, what about the episode where we caught up with Nigel Godfrey, the owner of Miss Universe New Zealand franchise. He'd made the bold decision to remove the bikini section from the contest, didn't remove the bikinis, the section, you with me? (laughs) And he's never looked back. You'll find those interviews plus hundreds more 
over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or you can subscribe free on your favourite podcast app, which means that you'll never miss another episode. I'd love to hear from you. Hit the contact button over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com where you can email me, connect with me on social media, and you can grab a signed copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. You'd like that, wouldn't you? A lot of people have bought it. A big thanks to American Express Business Explorer Card for exclusively sponsoring this episode and the last four. If you love the idea of your business expenses rewarding you, then search Amex Business to find out more. Speaking of love, if you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone and downloading it for them. Do it three or four times a week. That'd be really appreciated. Until next week, I am Timbo Reed. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.